How you feeling? I'm feeling good. I got the vid, but I'm I'm feeling much better. Carly, you gotta stop letting people cough in your mouth like that. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. Well, you know what's funny is I got my booster shot on Thursday. And I tested Posy on Tuesday, the following Tuesday. So just in time. Perfect timing. I had enough time to get a little bit sick from the booster shot, just enough to feel like hungover and icky. And then I had like two good days. And then you and slid then right like, in. <laughs> I slid right into it. But um, definitely glad I'm vaccinated because I think I would have been a lot sicker if I wasn't. But I am taking a test tonight. To see if I am negative. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, baby. Um, So we're virtual today, but that's because I can't risk getting my precious Kelsey sick. So, which is what you should do. Anyways, everybody knows this. You don't need me to tell you. And on that note, welcome to Brought to You by the Letter. (laughs) I know. Welcome. I'm like, what? How do you even do a podcast? How do you even speak on one? I'm like... What is this? It's we been like a month so since we recorded because yeah. we like recorded early and then, you know, then life happened. And then life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome to our podcast. Brought to you by the letter uh, with Carly and Kelsey. And I'm Carly and that's Kelsey. And, and this is Sasha. <laughs> she needs to not eat her corn toy. Just take a break. Take a little break. Thank you. <laughs> Dogs make um, recording very hard. Yes. Yeah. But this podcast is about learning. We are two best friends who talk about everything from A to Z. In that order. (laughs) In that order. Yep. That's our spiel. And we're sticking to it. Yeah. So, guys, thanks for tuning in. Before we started recording, I was like, Kelsey, I've been sick for five days. I've literally done nothing for five days except sleep. I've gotten like more sleep. Like, I've like, at least slept for like 12 hours each day like i'm in deep with the sleep which is good that's the best way to be sick though exactly sleep it out exactly i've also been heavily watching the sims 4 builds on youtube which is people building really freaking beautiful houses (laughs) on the sims did you ever play the sims when you were a kid no, my parents didn't let me play video games. Don't you remember how how uh, freaking sheltered I am as a person? <laughs> People who never played The Sims like won't get it. Like I tell you, I told you this, and you're like, "What the fuck?" But like the regular, the original Sims games, like I didn't like playing them because you have to like take care of your person and like make sure they eat and like go to the bathroom so they don't piss themselves and like it's like so annoying. It's like I don't want to. It's like being a real human on top of exactly being a human. All I want to do is build the houses. But in the original Sims games, it was so like late 2000 or early 2000s late 90s graphics so like you couldn't really get super cool so now it's the sims 4 so obviously it's like insane all the stuff you can do and i was trying to build like an a-frame house and i was like watching all these tutorials oh my gosh so i mean i'm not good at it 
I didn't succeed in building any houses. But that's basically all I've been up to. Simlissy, shout out to Simlissy on YouTube. That's who has been keeping me company watching all these YouTube videos of her building all these houses. That has literally been all I've been up to. I'm very boring. What about you? (laughs) Uh, Not gonna lie, I'm pretty jealous about that. Let's see. Also kind of nothing. Kyle and I decided randomly spontaneously that we were going to go to London in May, which is really freaking cool. So exciting. Um, Because literally this... So it's not as spontaneous as it sounds. Kyle was like, plan a trip a couple months ago and like we'll we'll figure it out so i was like okay and then i was supposed to visit my grandparents for christmas but then they got covid so i have like a flight to redeem and so i was like "Ooh, i should just redeem this flight for something and then like two of my hottest hotter like hot actors (laughs) in freaking hollywood are in a play together and i was like there you go i gotta go i just have to two faves my two top bays right now just saying yeah and i'm pretty sure kyle's just gonna be like what is this like he's he's gonna be like okay (laughs) he's just gonna watch me cry at the beauty in front of my eyes all day but he loves you and he supports you exactly you so that's why he's going (laughs) exactly he yes queens me all the time he's there you go he's great he's great supportive husband (laughs) um so yeah, I'm just really fucking pumped about it, and That's it was so, so cool. spontaneous, and I got to redeem a flight out of it, so, like, whatever, you know? Have you ever been to London? If you count when I wa- when I grew up overseas, but that's it. Oh, cool. How long are you guys going to stay? We're going to be gone seven days, but a day each for travel, so five. That's a nice little vacay. I know. You deserve it. Thank you. I'm honestly the most nervous about just leaving maggie because i love her so much and i'm like she's never been away from us for more than a second (laughs) (laughs) it's hard it's hard leaving your your baby if she could fit in a backpack i would take her with me and if she wasn't you know gonna bite literally everything that came near me (laughs) i would take her with me but can't <laughs> so whenever um tyler and i go anywhere and we have to leave the dog we ask my sister to watch her but like all we talk about is the dog I wonder what she's doing like we're literally like do you think she's chewing on a treat right now do you think she's yeah, scratching her think butt she, do you think she <laughs> do you think she misses us yeah she definitely misses us it's like we're like, damn, we're so lame. You're already <laughs> parents. You're already parents. That's what my mom would say. They would like go out on dates and all they would talk about is us. I'm like, ew, talk about something <laughs> else. We're so boring and loud and annoying. <laughs> ew, but now you I love us so ew. much. <laughs> but now I kind of get it with Maggie. It's just, you know. Well, that's so exciting. I'm so happy for you guys. And it's not for a while, I know, your trip, but I know you're going to have a blast. It's going to be amazing. It's nice to have something to look forward to after, like, two years of not having anything to look forward to. (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. Especially Um, right now we're in the winter. It's fucking freezing. Yo, fuck the winter. I I hate it. I am ready at the drop of a hat to move somewhere with not winter because winter sucks. I slathered my body in lotion after a shower and I'm still dry. Like, why? Mm -hmm. Why? (laughs) The human body was not meant to be outside in the cold. Like, it's just not 
meant to happen for me. I'm like ashy as fuck. The other day, Tyler was like, we were talking about like, oh, we hate the winter, blah, blah, blah. He's like, you hate the winter so much, but you've never considered like moving elsewhere. And I'm like, no, I've just like, I don't know if you're the same way, but it's just like, we're in Philly area, Pennsylvania. And we just expect every year, like mid-December. To fucking hate it. To March. It just becomes unbearable and you just have to deal. And he like brought that up. He's like, you never considered that you could actually like do something about this. And I was like, you're right. No, I never considered. I just thought that's, that this was life. This yeah. was what, you know, we had to do every year. I mean, and I just do it. Yeah. And I'm not happy about it, but. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. I feel like because you grew up here, you, you really haven't yeah. moved out of this area. I was surprised because yeah. my therapist brought that up. You know, because we talk about seasonal depression a lot. And she's like, you know, you don't have to live somewhere where there's all four seasons. And I was like, oh, my, I can leave. I can literally leave. I mean, now it's a little harder because we're older. Right. All of our friends and our families here. But like, I could just leave. Exactly. That's exactly like GTFO. I know. Let's go. But like, where would we go? Like Florida? No. Uh, we could go... Where else? Zona, Arizona. Oh, yeah, I do like it there. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Desert. Mm-hmm. I can live with all the coyotes. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's do it. Let's move to Arizona. Okay. Cool. Anyone, any listeners in Arizona, you got some leads on... Some good housing houses. markets. <laughs> <laughs> or something. I don't know. Uh, cool. All right. Well, hey, with that, do you guys want to... do Or not do you guys. Kelsey, do you... <laughs> Who, am I, who else am I talking to? You it's been a started? while. We haven't talked in been years at this point. I apologize if my voice is like gross. I or sultry and COVID. sexy. So yes, it is sounding much better. A few days ago, I was like, "You can hey, be like Kelsey, how you doing?" Hello. You could be like Amy Winehouse with that like nice like uh, sound. You know? <laughs> Wait, what sound? <laughs> Like Roz from Make Me Go to Rehab. <laughs> you sound like a southern man. <laughs> it, hey, it wouldn't be our podcast if we didn't sing a little bit, right? It's we true. haven't sang yet. That's right. We have to get it that we have to get it in there. I am so excited today to learn about drag. <laughs> Just drag. Drag. We're learning about drag. Yes. Yeah. And and everything that it encompasses and the history and all this good good juicy good stuff. Emphasis on the juicy. <laughs> I <laughs> that's my throat and nose. <laughs> yeah. So you've been to a couple of drag shows. I went to my first drag show this year and it was so much fun. Yeah. It's a party. It is. They're they're great. In Rochester at this one gay um nightclub called Tilt. They used to have college nights. Unfortunately, I believe Tilt is closed and doesn't exist anymore. But it was really cool because they'd have like performers from local colleges do like acts and stuff. And it was super fun. And it was always like buy one, get one free. Yeah, as typical college nights are, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, it was awesome. Like, and it wasn't, you didn't have to be 21 to go in either. So it was like 18 and up and stuff. And it was great. So yeah, I've been to a lot of drag shows, a lot of drag adjacent events. 
super fun. It's just like it's always fun. It's that, yeah. that's what drag is to me. I'm having um, a recovered memory, but mm-hmm. in college I was in a drag show as a king. Oh, yeah? I forgot. Oh, yes, you were. <laughs> that's right. Because we were for our sorority, we like our our campus always did a drag show, and mm-hmm. so our sorority did like. Uh, dance to like the Backstreet Boys or something, and I had like this orange Amazing. mustache goatee. It was horrible. No, like, I think you looked really good. I rem- I remember the pictures. Was I a cute guy? I think you were pretty cute. Like you, like you had like the pose down, and you were like you were like smoldering a little bit and touching my junk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it looked good. To I looked like a fuck like boy it. in my opinion with a weird mustache. <laughs> That's what I felt like. Yeah, I mean, it was like a piece of orange felt, but, you know, not everyone can grow a mustache. It's not fine. every king okay. can have a million dollars to have an awesome ass get up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So before I get into my topic of drag, I just want to say something really quickly. So uh, during this, I'm going to be using the term queer and queer, um, you know, stands for representing people that are um, a part of the LGBTQ community and actually the Q in LGBTQ stands for queer. So this term, like just like a lot of words can be used in a derogatory way. So I just want to like make sure that you guys know that when I'm using this term, it's just to describe the group of people um, that it represents and nothing else. So I just wanted to put that out there. We love all people. Be respectful. Yes. With that, we'll get into drag brought to you by the letter D. Yas. I'm so excited. (laughs) So according to the Oxford English Dictionary, Mm. you know, I had to start my essay with that attention getter. The definition. Like we do. (laughs) (laughs) The word drag has existed since 1388, but the history of drag actually goes back even further. Huh. 1388. That's so long. Yes. Oh, wow. In ancient Egyptian times, artifacts and carvings had depicted Cleopatra as a male pharaoh with a male's double crown. I guess, like, male pharaohs wore two crowns or something. And another Egyptian royalty, Queen Hapshepsut, was depicted in certain carvings without breasts, in male clothing, and even with a beard. So that is, like, the first recorded instance of cross-dressing ever. (laughs) Historians believe that this depiction was a way for these Egyptian queens to, like, assert their power and claim to the throne. So, you know, the their history is obviously recorded with, like, the illustrations and the carvings and whatnot. So it was a way for these queens to be like, no, I'm, I'm a pharaoh. Like, I am as powerful and stuff like that. Gender is an illusion. Woo! So in ancient Grecian theater... Female roles were performed by men because back then, females were seen as inferior and unfit for the stage. Nothing like now, of course. In the 17th century Japan, kabuki became popular. Kabuki featured male performers wearing intricate makeup and costumes using falsetto voices and feminine movement. They were basically dressing up like geishas and performing, but they were all men. <laughs> 
During the Middle Ages in Europe, the Christian church continued to ban women on the stage. This meant that acting was exclusively reserved for men who still played roles as women. So basically, if you were like (laughs) going to see a play and you would see a woman acting on stage, it would have been considered at the time shocking and offensive. Pretty funny. In the 17th century, Shakespeare was becoming more and more popular in Europe. You heard of him? Shakespeare? Who? You heard of that? Excuse that me, that who? <laughs> Shakespeare. William Shakespeare. Billy Shakes. <laughs> Billy Shakes. Uh, Lady Macbeth and Juliet are some of his most iconic female characters, and they were first portrayed only by men, which I think, knowing those like plays and stuff, I think it would have just been like a whole different experience seeing them played by men but that's just how it was at the time but the term drag is believed to have originated from the theater in the late 1800s where male performers would put on the petticoats and the dresses and perform as women their dresses would drag on the floor and so they referred to dressing up as a woman as putting on their drags so that's oh. like where they where that term came about yeah interesting in the 18th century england's first drag queen was princess seraphina she was a regular sight in these places called molly houses which sound very different <laughs> during today's day and age but they're basically just like 18th century like gay bars like that's kind of what okay. they the term for those were during this time men could be hung if they were found participating in homosexual acts and actually three were hung in 1726 after a raid on a molly house but something about princess seraphina was different there and this is so long ago but there are no reports of her ever being arrested or being treated with mistrust she was kind of like very beloved of the time oh that's amazing yeah the the only scandal she was ever involved in was the theft of her clothes in 1732 like for some reason someone thought it was funny i guess to steal her clothes and she actually went to court and appeared in court in drag as the victim. So, wow, that's like the first, that's, I would say, from what I found in my research is like one of the first ever recorded drag queens in England. Huh. However, in the United States, during the Roaring Twenties, drag, instead of on a stage with like a group of people like Shakespeare plays, etc., it was used in individual vaudeville performances. Vaudeville often involved female impersonation by a man combined with comedy, dance, music, and burlesque to create an offbeat, funky type of live entertainment. So through vaudeville, the first official United States drag queen came to exist. His name was Julian L. Tinge. He became the highest paid actor in the world at the time, surpassing Charlie Chaplin. Eltinge would fight against the, quote, homosexual panic and confusion of the time by, like, removing his wig after performing as not to fool the audience. I mean, you'd have to think that, like, this is some stuff that, you know, vaudeville became, like, a big, one of the first, like, recorded forms of entertainment or live forms of entertainment, People were like, what is happening? What the heck is going on? And then he would be like, bop. 
ha, all good guys. There's, oh my gosh. You know, yeah. So, so whatever. Um, it's like they had to like spoon feed them to be okay yes, with it. Which exactly. <laughs> well, actually, really interestingly, so soon after this, prohibition began. Mm-hmm. And we know from our previous episodes that Prohibition was an era from the 1920s to 1933 where the United States abolished alcohol production and consumption. So because of Prohibition, gay men used, and and a whole bunch of not just gay men, gay people, used the underground clubs and speakeasies as an opportunity to express and enjoy themselves because they were like outside of the law and the public eye gay men and women felt comfortable to be themselves. So there seems to be a general understanding with everybody there because everybody's kind of breaking the law. It's like, we're all complicit in this. So that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. So everyone was on the search for like ways to consume alcohol, everybody, you know, so all sorts of people from all walks of life started to collide black, white, gay and straight people started to gather at these underground speakeasies. And actually for a while, everyone was like into it. Like exactly like there's a general understanding. It just kind of was the way that it was. And, you know, no one really cared, honestly. And it was kind of cool, kind of beautiful. Right. Because all the people cared about was getting the alcohol. (laughs) They're (laughs) like, anybody can be here. I just want my alcohol. Bonding over crime. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) so drag flourished in new york city during this time but mostly in harlem where the hamilton lodge ball drew crowds of thousands to marvel at drag queens there were even drag kings at this time like openly bisexual gladys bentley who sang raunchy songs on the piano while wearing a white top hat and tux so she was like one of the first famous kings drag kings that's awesome Unfortunately, this openness was short-lived because by the mid-1930s, Prohibition had been repealed and the spaces in which queer life flourished became policed and often raided. So the fun was over. (sighs) Yep. (laughs) New York City actually banned female impersonation and the growing popularity of movies and radio led to kind of like the decline in vaudeville. They banned that? That's crazy. Yeah. In some bars, half of the crowd would actually wear drag to get around the laws that forbade members of the same sex from dancing together. But then, of course, the same laws that criminalized wearing clothing articles from the opposite sex, too. So it was just, like, a lot of, like, gray area, a lot of weird laws that, you know... Didn't really the make government any sense. needs to stay out of it, <laughs> and I will yes. hold that firm to this day. Get the <laughs> fuck out of it. Get the fuck out of our our gayness. Yeah, just let our um, gayness flourish. Like it's exactly. so ridiculous. After World War II, during the 1950s, the backlash was even stronger when a family centric heteronormative age of conformity was at its peak. Everybody was just like, this is the American dream. It's a white family with two children and a mom and a dad and blah, 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 blah. Picket fence, two and a half kids. Exactly. So there was a lot of homophobia during this time. This also led to the problematic homophile movement, so called homophile, in which actually white and middle class members of the gay community wanted to distance themselves from drag performers and transgender people 
in an attempt to assimilate into mainstream society. Interesting. That's fucking wild. That's like the first time I've heard of that, which is pretty insane to me because they're just like, we just want to be, we will are willing to like push away our own people, people in our own community in order to join the, the norm, basically. Mm-hmm. In the 1960s, cross-dressing appeared in films to give the stories like a comedic punch, basically. Um, it was used as a punchline or sometimes something scary, like in Alfred Hitchcock's movie Psycho, a deranged man dresses up as his mother to murder his victims. So, you know, it wasn't necessarily used in its intent yet. It was just used to be kind of funny or, like, weird. I don't like that. That feels, like, so demeaning. Exactly. Yeah. Even though there was, like, a lot of negativity during this time, there were still some drag performers that broke through and had a successful career. Like Australian Dame Edna Everidge. She first appeared in the 60s as a drag housewife making fun of Australia's boring conservative suburbia. (laughs) She was, like... She was pretty cool. During this time, internal conflicts and racial tension in the community also grew. Showcased in the 1968 documentary The Queen, a major drag beauty pageant passed over African-American contestant Crystal LaBeja for a white blonde winner. Crystal stormed off stage and denounced the drag scene's habit of rewarding white queens at the expense of queens of color. Strangely enough, the New York Mafia gave the drag queen and gain community an outlet by purchasing the Stonewall Inn and giving them a safe space, which was a hub of gay culture. You're familiar with Stonewall, correct? Yes, I am. Yeah, me too. It's like a very, very amazing an interesting story within itself. I'm just going to touch on it a little bit here, but if you want to learn more, I highly recommend looking into it. It's really, really um, incredible story. And maybe we'll cover it someday. <laughs> yeah. In full, yeah. There was a riot at Stonewall in 1969, and it saw all members of the gay community unite against the police and the stigmatization of queer Americans. Drag queens and Transgender folks like Marsha P. Johnson threw stones and ashtrays at the officers. Marsha P. Johnson was considered the Rosa Parks of the LGBT movement. She led the gay community against their oppressors, which caused the creation of something called the Gay Liberation Front. So one year later, after this riot at Stonewall, was the first ever gay pride, exactly one year after. So a lot of um, other communities were inspired by New York and activists in other cities organized gay pride celebrations too, which eventually inspired the world to take a stand and everybody started to become more comfortable in these spaces and create communities, which of course just helped more people. I forget what happened exactly to like spur the Stonewall riots. Like, wasn't it that um so like i said the stonewall inn was run by the genovese crime family and they actually paid off the police precinct in order to like ignore the activities that was happening so because the police didn't really interfere they could like cut costs um and make money at the bar how they ate needed to it didn't have like a fire escape or running water they didn't wash the glasses but basically it you know became a hub for this culture and scene and unfortunately 
raids still happened, usually corrupt cops would like tip off the mafia bars before any raids happened. But this time on June 28th, the raid was a surprise. They weren't tipped off. So basically they came in with a warrant, entered the club, roughed up the patrons, like found bootlegged alcohol, arrested people because they were violating the state's gender appropriate clothing laws. So basically that is what inspired the riot. Yeah. Yeah. The fight for acceptance and equality grew even more when Harvey Milk became the first gay man to be voted into public office in San Francisco in 1977. So drag culture seemed to slowly seep into mainstream society with Tim Curry's gender-bending performance of Dr. Frankenfurter in the 1975 film Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is such a freaking good movie. (laughs) And I love his character during that. Kyle and I just watched it this year. Can you believe that? So good. I asked Tyler if he would watch it with me this Halloween too, because I was like, and you even like seeing that and realizing that that was from 75, it's like such an iconic and an amazingly gay film. Yeah. <laughs> like everything about it's super gay, which is awesome. So this is also shown in the aesthetic and like fashion choices of David Bowie as well during this time. He's wearing like a lot of makeup and feminine clothing and stuff like that. These drag pageants that I mentioned before evolved into drag balls. These were iconic underground events and they were featured in the 90s documentary Paris is Burning. So they were mainly for queer people of color to walk the runway and emulate parts of mainstream society where they were mostly largely excluded from. So one quote from something I watched is these people like, they're like, you know, well, we, we aren't Wall Street executives or we aren't, you know, these beautiful, rich, wealthy women, but we can dress the part and act the part and walk the part and you know, that is shown through these balls and like that's their safe space where they could perform and do that kind of thing. The seasoned and like older drag queens became something known as drag mothers who would then form houses and they would take like up and coming performers under their wing and provide them even with a home. And a lot of these like young performers didn't have anywhere to go. They might have been struggling with stuff. They might be struggling with rejection from their family. So That was like a really selfless and amazing thing for a lot of these people to do. In the 80s, these balls and the houses were really important to the LGBT struggles, especially during the AIDS epidemic. So AIDS was spread in many cases by unprotected sex, and it ravaged the gay community. Of course, because once again, we always love to talk about mainstream media. (laughs) And of course, the mainstream media was very homophobic. And just because the AIDS epidemic was spreading, it was like turbocharged and everybody was blaming gay people for all these problems. So the community basically had to support themselves. They weren't getting any support from most mainstream avenues. Right. So because of this, the house mothers educated their, quote, offspring about safe sex as to not get AIDS or spread AIDS, and provided healing and relief for the deep emotional trauma many experience living with AIDS. They're like their literal mothers. Yeah, I know. I know. Drag queens provided to the queer community what straight society would not, protection, love, and care. 
So like literally they just helped each other so much, which is very beautiful despite all their adversity. Drag icon Divine starred in many movies by the director John Waters. She was 300 pounds and she gave no fucks and (laughs) notoriously consumed dog shit on camera in Waters' film Pink Flamingos. Yes. Real dog shit? I don't know. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Basically, I prob- probably not. Basically, this was done as like a big pull for the film. John Waters said, quote, it was done for anarchy and it worked as anarchy. The word of mouth spread across the country and the film was a huge success. So she kind of was like seen as like the first instance of a drag queen in a movie doing something insane and it just made supporters and non-supporters and like all these people watch the film and be like what the fuck is going on here it Um, got the word out (laughs) yeah divine played edna turnblatt in the original version of hairspray and many people thought she was the inspiration for ursula from the little mermaid oh they look very similar actually interesting the shock value was contagious and fed into the experimental Manhattan performance scene and its annual Wigstock Drag Festival, which ran from 1985 to 1997. I'm obsessed with Wigstock. <laughs> <laughs> Wigstock was created by drag icon named Lady Bunny, who was one of the first, you know, maybe ma- more mainstream drag queens who challenged her audiences to laugh with her. And also at her, she was like someone who really used comedy Mm -hmm. um, in her performances. So what consists of a traditional drag show? A drag show typically involves performers singing or lip syncing to songs while performing a pre-planned pantomime and dancing. There also could be comedy skits, audience interaction, and One thing for sure, the performers always wear elaborate costumes and makeup and sometimes even will imitate various like famous um, singers or personalities or celebrities. However, RuPaul Charles would change drag history for the modern age with the release of her song, Supermodel, You Better Work, parentheses, in 1993. Do you know that song? Uh, Yeah. Work, cover girl, work it girl, do a twirl, do your thing on the runway. You better work. Soon after, she became the first drag queen to become the spokesperson for a major cosmetics company at Mac Cosmetics. And she even had her own morning radio show. One of the things that I watched to learn about this was a little YouTube video. And there's an interview of like fucking C-word news anchor who's interviewing RuPaul. And they're like, do you think that most women will be able to relate to you? And RuPaul was just like, I think that I just want to show that you can be yourself and you can do like, she just like literally brushed off like the, the backhanded like diss mm. because the, the reporter was like, I don't think people, women will be able to relate to you because you're not a woman quote. Like, I think that's what she was trying to say. Ugh. You know what I mean? Yeah. But she was such a freaking pro and brushed it off and was just like, um, actually, I think that it's for expression and you can be whoever you want and you can wear this makeup and you can be beautiful and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Like, she just, like, didn't even care. 
As more and more drag queens came into mainstream media, they became less of a punchline and more movies and films started depicting drag queens in a more flattering light. So in 2009, RuPaul premiered her iconic reality TV show, RuPaul's Drag Race. Audiences all over the world were able to see the best queens from the comfort of their own home on a weekly basis. On the show, the contestants frequently brought up conversations about the LGBTQ community, like HIV, gender identity, mental health, and relationships. Drag Race had influenced language itself. Here are some of the drag slang that has sashayed into our lives after being featured on the show okay i'm ready you probably heard of a lot of these things <laughs> shade yeah it's an insult either spoken or expressed through body language to throw shade is to openly disparage someone whether or not they are in your presence <laughs> <laughs> used in a sentence <laughs> Go ahead. I'm putting you on oh, the spot. okay. Um, we won't make you do it. I wasn't ready so, for, a, for a pop quiz. I know. Sorry. So, read. Drag queens will often meet in a metaphorical arena known as the library to openly exchange insults with each other. This is the act of reading, a playful sport where the aim is to throw the cleverest, most ingenious piece of verbal takedown at your opponent. It is important to note that reads usually finished with all involved on good terms. So it's like a roast, but like not as mean. Yeah, right. <laughs> Realness. When a drag queen is given a theme to meet outfit wise, that intention is to blend into the genre as though born into it. Uh, manage that successfully and they are serving realness. For example, if a runway theme on RuPaul's Drag Race is the Western and a contestant executes a perfect combo of boots, gingham, Stetson, and pigtails, they are serving up cowgirl realness. Oh my gosh, I love this. <laughs> sickening. Get your catwalk look just right and you'll be one sickening queen. Basically, you're just so fabulous. Your fellow queens are sick with envy after just one look at you. Remember, it's good to be sickening. <laughs> oh my gosh. Finally, tea. Tea is the truth. It's the talk. Basically, it's the gossip. So if you're serving up some quality tea over lunch, rest assured, it'll be lapped up by those present. Yes. So what's the tea? You know, anyways. I was going to say, was <laughs> I've heard all those words used in the, in the way yes. that they were meant to be used. So I love that. Exactly. Exactly. Definitely a part of our language today. So today, drag queens are able to gather large followings from social media, live performances, YouTube, Netflix, podcasts, and more. Some of the community's biggest issues still remain, however. Drag race has been critiqued by giving queens of color less praise than their white contestants. These queens are often targeted by internet trolls because of their ethnicity as well. The show has also been critiqued for the narrow representation of what drag is. For example, the show will celebrate queens that are hyper-feminine and not cast any drag kings. To my knowledge, I don't watch the show. I'm somewhat familiar with it. I don't believe they have kings, but I could be wrong about that. So drag has a complex history and it is almost impossible to do it justice. It has existed long before Drag Race and will continue to exist long after. But Drag Race has helped push drag into mainstream pop culture. And now that it's in the spotlight, 
the representation of diversity needs to continue to expand. Like we need to continue to be pushing drag so that it's inclusive and for everybody. RuPaul herself has said that drag is less about gender and more about mocking identity and parodying society, laughing at ourselves and inviting others to break free and do the same. And that is drag brought to you by the letter D. Damn. Damn. I love it. Sickening. 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 (laughs) That's some realness Um, right there. I know. (laughs) We sound really cool. I'm I'm like all 80 years old right now, but at the drag show cheering Um, on the queens. Yes. And I I definitely, um, like I said, I've been, I've been sick and I definitely really want to watch Paris is Burning. That gives a lot deeper look into drag in the POC spaces um, in New York City, even though it should be inclusive, it's for everybody. Yeah. So a lot of what we're seeing from my story is that, you know, a lot of the representation is of white queens and kings and stuff like that. It's still much deeper than that. So um, definitely take a watch of that documentary if you want to see more. I also know Pose is another Netflix show that has a lot to do with this like 90s, um, 80s, 90s scene of drag balls as well. Yeah, I just wanted to give you guys like a big overview, but there's still so much more to talk about and there's like so much more that can be done, but I think it's very beautiful and very just like fun. Like to me, it's just so fun and should be celebrated all the time. So yeah, it's an expression slash extension of yourself, right? Like, yeah, it's such a loving community. I think a lot of that comes from, like you were saying, the mothers who have to watch out for the the younger ones because they've been Mm -hmm. through it like you're saying a lot of people are like cast out from their families like literally thrown on the street and that's i think why one of the reasons why that community is so tight is because they are all being like thrown away from everything that could be like give them any comfort or support so they all know what it's like and they're all there for each other and that's just like so beautiful and also heartbreaking at the same time yeah definitely Definitely. I mean, it's gone through a lot and to be like somewhat mainstream, socially acceptable. Of course, there are still people who are bigoted and stuff like that today, but you know, there's still a lot of work to be done, just like in so many things <laughs> that we talk about. Um, so yeah, it's really cool. I enjoy drag. Go see a drag show. It's so fun. Bring money. You got to tip them. You got to give them your dollar bills. That's right. They worked hard for it. So (laughs) Um, I'm honestly impressed with the physical stamina because they're like doing splits. I know. I just, I don't move that much anymore. (laughs) And I'm not even 30. Yeah. (laughs) I met a queen that was 50 years old and she looked younger than me. And I was like, how do I get on your diet and workout regimen (laughs) and look like you because yeah i don't know how to do that (laughs) we've talked about it before too but like the makeup skills are insane yes um i really love watching on youtube trixie mattel she's like a pretty famous drag queen um and she does a lot of videos where like her and another queen maybe together like putting on their makeup and something and it's just like the steps the time commitment 
the the products it's just so much yeah. and then of course the wigs the wigs and then you got to keep your wig on your head when you're dancing and doing <laughs> splits and shit it's just like honestly so much talent yes <laughs> and just so fun yeah amazing performers it. exactly yeah yeah i recommend so thanks for listening to my story everybody <laughs> loved it yeah we should definitely talk about the stonewall riots more because i yeah because obviously yes, that was yes, a yes. big moment in the lgbtq plus community and something once again always talking about this that i only really learned about somewhat recently from a podcast not from school you know i don't think i ever learned about like gay and lgbt like rights and activism and stuff like this in school Um, yeah maybe they're teaching kids nowadays maybe they're teaching kids nowadays this but i i don't know i truly don't know so Uh, i doubt it maybe i'm just a cynic but yeah we also went to school over 10 years ago, high school. So, you know, times have changed. Now, We're removed. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully that would be great. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely important. Wow. That's all I have. Good job, for y'all. Carl. Thanks, girl. But yeah, thanks. Thank you guys for so much for listening. Um, tune in in two weeks for our next episode brought to you by the letter E. Wait. C-D-E. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And we hope you guys enjoyed. Feel free to rate, review, subscribe, share with a friend. And you you can follow us on our social media on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter. Mm -hmm. Okay, at ByTheLetterPod. Or you can email us Uh at ByTheLetterPod at gmail.com. With any feedback, anything you want to hear us talk about. Yeah, we really appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening. And we love you. And have a good day. We love you. Be fabulous. Be fabulous. And be yourself. Bring some realness. Serve some realness. Serve some realness. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I'll get yeah. there, okay? I'm bringing my realness, though. I don't want to serve it. I want to bring it. Yeah, I want to bring it. <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing in my purse. Um, it's in there with my it lipstick. It doesn't quite and fit in here. Wallet, yeah. so. I have to, I have to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. Have a good day. And I don't know why I'm telling you to have a good day, but I hope you do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> spread joy. Spread love. I think I need to take a nap. Hey, you're you're like performing with COVID, so you get a pass today, right? That's right. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Mwah. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.